Hi, good afternoon, Seaside. Afternoon, how are you guys doing? Good? That's a whole lot of missions action, huh? Um, you know, you guys heard two testimonies today, but I want to encourage you guys, all of the testimony from uh, everyone that went on the trip uh, this time around are going to be posted soon. And so make sure you read them, get different perspectives, and just continue to be blessed. Um, you know, even though you guys had Lydia as a representative of Seaside in Japan, uh, our whole church, we all sent all five of the teams out to each of the countries. And so on behalf of all the teams, we just want to thank Seaside for continuing to pray. You guys joined us in fasting. You guys joined us in really interceding while the trip was happening. And uh, I hope that you can celebrate all the fruits that you've heard as something that you poured into. And so, yeah, just it's only greater things to come. Amen? Amen. Uh, you know, I was part of the Las Vegas uh, trip, Las Vegas and San Francisco. And one of the things that really kind of struck me, or I guess grabbed me personally, while we were in San Francisco, is something that I wanted to share with you guys today. Uh, it's a verse that I've been meditating on for the past couple of weeks, and it just continues to speak to me over and over and over. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to kind of go through that passage of scripture with you guys. And so what I want you guys to do is just open up your Bibles to Isaiah 55. And we're going to be looking at verses, actually just one verse in particular, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. So if you have that version, just so that we can sound in sync, let's read it together. Uh, one, two, three. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Amen. Personally, I really like the NIV version of this passage better. And so I'm just going to recite that passage for you guys. I think it has a better flow and it's the version I guess I was meditating on. It goes something like this. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair of fair. You know, while we were in San Francisco, we got a chance to connect with our spiritual parents, Pastor Benjamin, Pastor Sonny. And in the morning, we had just a time of devotion. And the way that they've been doing devotion is really through meditation. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I think meditation, immediately I think of like yoga gurus and emptying your mind and gongs and I don't know what sort of things you guys think about, but I immediately associate with new age. It's just like meditation to me is just new age. And uh, it's kind of like a negative connotation, especially as a believer, something that we should stay away from. Uh, but through Pastor Benjamin, and, you know, he wrote a book recently, actually, just purely on meditation. I have it right here. It's called A Path Through Mighty Waters. And I'm going to be refer referencing this book a lot today. And if you guys haven't checked this out, how many of you guys actually read this book? Good. 
Cool. Well, I'm going to be referencing, referencing this book a lot, but, uh, part of the book is just describing how important meditation is to a believer and not just a believer that goes and lives in a monastery, but the everyday believer, you and I need to learn how to meditate, not in emptying our minds, but meditating on scripture. Someone says, blessed is the man who meditates on my law day and night. Day and night. This is someone that meditates on God's word, on his scripture, day and night. And this is not like the special super Christian over there or for the pastors. This word, this Psalm chapter one man that's being described here, one who yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, this man is a picture of what we're called to be. Someone who knows how to meditate on scripture. And so this is something that I've been really trying to tap into, something that I've been trying to go deeper in, and something that we were doing while we were in San Francisco. Every morning while we were there, we would gather with the staff, and we would begin to uh, try to meditate together. And the meditation passage was the one that I just read for you guys, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2. And it was funny because we're sitting there, we're trying to close our eyes, and PB was kind of teach, teaching us, you know, on meditation. And he goes, resist the temptation to think about other things. Resist the temptation to try to interpret the scripture. Resist the temptation to try to reflect on the passage. Resist the uh, temptation to try to process what it's saying, but just allow the very words of God begin to cover you over and over. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and you will delight in the richest affair. And as we were doing that, let me tell you, it was hard. And immediately as I closed my eyes, why spend money on what is not bread? Bread. Mm, dang, I'm hungry. Hold up. I wonder what we're going to eat after this. No, 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 no. And your labor on what does not satisfy. Man, I got a couple of emails I need to get back to. I should really get on that. Listen. Oh, sorry, Lord. Lord, I'm listening. Listen to me. I mean, all throughout the med, it was only for about 15 minutes. And let me tell you, my mind wandered over and over and over and just walked from here to there to there to there. And constantly, it was like I had to rope my conscience back into the place of just meditating on scripture. It was so hard. The next day, we meditated again. It's the same scripture, but we honed in on just listen. Listen to me. Just that phrase, listen. Listen to me. Again, listen. Listen to me. I'm hungry again. <laughs> I wonder what we're going to do today. Man, my pants are uncomfortable, you know? Man, I'm thirsty. Just all these different distractions began to come into my mind. And it was funny because at Living Hope, they're doing a bunch of construction. And so... <laughs> They were leading the time and they're like, just quiet your hearts and just listen. <laughs> you just hear like the drill and we're like, they're just ignore all of the <laughs> signs. But it was so funny because sometimes I feel like my own thoughts are like that drill. You know, like my own thoughts, my own concerns, my own worries, my own desires are as loud as the construction that we were hearing when we were trying to listen, listen to God. There were so many other things that were trying to grab my attention. And I think for myself, 
just meditating on one verse, I mean, honestly, in the beginning, I was like, this is a little bit of a waste of time because I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm trying to meditate on this scripture for, like, I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes. I've already been distracted about, like, 15 times. Like, this is a waste of time. At least let me try to reflect. At least let me try to break down the scripture. At least let me try to, you know, find out what God was trying to say. I just was trying so hard to be proactive when I was, uh, while I was trying to learn how to rest in God's word. And so it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And I realized throughout this trip and just returning back home that this is a struggle you and I need to continue to fight. We have to learn how to take authority over our minds and begin to take reign and listen, listen to him. You know, the passage in Isaiah 55 starts off, why spend money on what is not bread? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Now, initially, when we started meditating on this verse, I started thinking about literal money, like what I spend my money on. And immediately I was convicted and I was just thinking, uh, you know, why spend money on what does not satisfy? And I can think of a million things that I just easily spend money on that I know it would be better if I save or it would have been better if I steward that for something else. And, you know, immediately my mind was kind of going in that direction. I was thinking of literal finances. But it's interesting because in the verse goes from talking about money to all of a sudden talking about listening to God and eating what is good. And then you will delight in the richest affair. And so I was kind of thinking about where that was going. I began to think, Lord, maybe you're speaking about our ability to use our time to think certain thoughts. Say with me here. Scripture says, listen to me. Listen, listen to me. Listen on God's word. Meditate on God's word. But how many of us throughout the day spend most of our hours meditating not on God's word, but our own thoughts? All throughout the day, from the moment you wake up meditating and thinking about what you need to get done or your finances or the things that you want or the things that you've been craving or the things that you want to eat. For me, a lot of my meditation has been, you know, naturally towards food and filling my stomach. And that's a fleshly thing. You know, we think meditation is hard, but actually PB says in his book, we're quite good at meditation. In fact, we are (laughs) advanced meditators. We just meditate on things that are not bread and on things that don't satisfy rather than listening on God's word. And so God began to just go deeper in that passage for me. And I began to examine, God, how do I spend my day? What do I think about throughout the day? What do I think about? It's funny because often I say to myself, and as believers, we say the same thing. We say spending time with the Lord is expensive. We think meditating on scripture is expensive. That costs a lot. I mean, you know, I have a lot to get done. I have a lot of things to do. I have so many things on my agenda today that just taking about 20 minutes, 15 minutes to just sit and meditate on scripture. I don't know, God. I don't know if I can afford that today. Maybe tomorrow. We think it's so costly to spend our time with the Lord. Yet what we think about what 
what goes on in our mind, if we honestly record all the thoughts that go throughout your mind on a, just any given day, and we add all of that together, I guarantee it would add up to a lot of time, a lot of time that was spent, the cost that went out, the same cost that we were saying was too expensive to spend with the Lord, that same cost we're giving out so easily on things that have nothing to do with anything. Things that don't nourish us, things that don't satisfy us, in fact, things that just leave us in a greater place of want and desire. And so I began to think about, man, what goes on through my head? And, you know, last time I was here, I preached on uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I talked about being purified in the fire. And I shared a little bit about my struggles with what happened when I had a miscarriage at the beginning of this year. And just how painful that was. And yet through that pain and through that fire, God was speaking to me about revealing a greater part of himself through that whole process. And it's funny because anybody that experiences a miscarriage, you know, we all experience it in a different way. But for many of us, you feel a little bit cheated, you know, like you have the positive pregnancy test. You start sharing with your loved ones. You start planning out, you know, the baby room and you start thinking about all these things that get so exciting. And then immediately all of that begins to just, it's done just in an instant. It's over and you feel cheated. It's like, what? I thought I was going to get a baby, but I'm getting nothing out of all of this. And a lot of times women who experience miscarriages are very quick to want to have, uh, to get pregnant as soon as possible. It's this like innate desire to just make up for lost time, quickly get pregnant again. Therefore we can get back on the horse and, you know, go back on that path of eventually holding a baby in your arms one day. And, you know, I realized that this is something that I was slowly falling into myself. As soon as I had the miscarriage, immediately my thoughts were, okay, how can I get pregnant again? Like as soon as possible. And my mind throughout the day started wandering towards that direction. And I started getting consumed with that thought. How can I get pregnant as soon as possible? So I started doing research on Google and blogs and reading all these things. I mean, it got to the point where I started joining an online community group, right? For, uh, it, it was TT Cal. That's what it was called trying to conceive after a loss. And it's a bunch of women who went through a miscarriage and are all in the same way desperate to get pregnant again. And it's like a online support group of, you know, people going through the motions, the disappointments of, you know, this and that. It reminded me of Pastor Myungwa's message back in the day about uh, struggling with loneliness and how she came across a website. What was it called? It was like lonely, I'm lonely.com or something, you know, like that. And, and when you go there, you meet all these people that are struggling with loneliness. And, and, and all of a sudden, I find myself in one of those circles. And I'm typing away, making a little username and responding to all these people like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss and all this stuff. And, and I'm immersing myself in this desire, consumed with this desire to get pregnant again. It, it began to just my thoughts just all headed in that direction. And you know, the truth is it's not a bad thing to desire to get pregnant. Truly. I mean, I know that this is God's promise for me and I know that this is something that I could look forward to and that I can have a hope and an expectation for. But the funny thing is when desire begins to supersede your satisfaction in the Lord, you find yourself outside of his presence. 
And what I started doing was my desire for pregnancy began to supersede my satisfaction in Christ. And all of a sudden, every day, I woke up dissatisfied. And I only would be quenched, that satisfaction will only be quenched when I get pregnant. Now, for some of you guys, you can't relate, but I know that there are some things that we desire. And there are some things that we're hoping for. There are some things that we want whether it's marriage, whether it's another job, whether it's breakthrough in our family, whether it's healing for our bodies, there are things that we're aiming for, that we're reaching for. And there are times when our minds allow ourselves to be so consumed with that desire that we stray away from the place of satisfaction in God. And it's a dangerous place to be because it starts off so innocent. This is something God wants for me. This is a promise of God. And slowly but surely, as I meditated more on my own desire rather than God's word, I found myself so far away from finding just joy every day simply because I'm in union with the Father. And so I started to just get, you know, become one of those people. And let me tell you, this online group, they're like really vicious And like, I thought it was going to be like a happy place of support. No, wrong. It was like really hardcore. And they were so consumed with wanting to get pregnant. The whole, every conversation, that's what they call it, conversation or bump or whatever it is. It's all decoded in in like acronyms of TTC and and BD and BFP and, you know, all these things. And uh, it's like a whole nother language all pointing to their consumption, their desire, their obsession with getting pregnant. So the more I found myself kind of flipping and scrolling through that page, the more I saw myself feeling lack, feeling uh, less than, feeling inadequate, feeling like something was wrong, feeling like, man, it it was like that spirit of desire just came upon me through just reading these things, and I just embraced it. And so I, um, in turn, I was like, man, this is, something's not right here. I was waking up and I was like, I'm not happy. And there's no reason why I shouldn't be happy. And I started picking up uh, Pastor Benjamin's book and rereading A Path Through Mighty Waters. And I just started kind of reading through, and I read it already, but it was like I never read it before. Because I guess in this time and in this moment, it was such a Kairos word for me. And it began to just speak straight into my circumstance and my situation. And I began to really think about this passage or this verse, you know, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy. And I started thinking, man, God, I have been wasting. I've been wasting my time. I've been wasting my money, maybe not literal money, But money, I mean, money equals time. I've been wasting time. I've been wasting what's precious. I've been wasting what I can't get back. I've been squandering it away on something that does not satisfy, on something that will not nourish me, consumed with desire. And then it says this, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And this is where I began to pause. God, I've been listening to everything but you. I've been listening to all these ladies complaining about not getting pregnant. I've been listening to all these blogs that says do this and do that and eat this and exercise that and, and, you know, don't go near this and, you know, all these things. I've been listening to everybody else and everybody's other, everyone's uh, opinion, but I haven't been listening to you. 
And I haven't been eating what is truly good. Not to say that there's not good advice out there or practical steps that I could take. That's true. And there are things that I can definitely do, you know, to better my chances and whatnot. But all of those things are, can't compare to what truly brings life. And so I began to just refocus, God, forgive me. Cause me to listen to you. Cause me to focus in, to hone in on you because I've been so consumed with what is not good for me. You know, in the passage in the book, A Path Through Mighty Waters, Pastor Benjamin talks about the prodigal son. And the prodigal son is a famous story that I've always related to because I was a backslidden Christian. You know, so I got saved when I was in sixth grade. And then all of a sudden, by the time I was in high school, especially when I got to college, I just backslid hardcore drugs, promiscuity, you know, stealing all of those things. So when I heard that prodigal son story, like I always related it to my life, you know, someone that started off in the father's house, but, you know, wandered far away and spent all my money on things that don't matter and crawl, come crawling back home only to have the father embrace me. Right. Prodigal son story. For the backslidden Christian. Huh? But what's interesting was when Pastor Benjamin began to bring fresh revelation into the story, he related it to the everyday life. Stay with me here. He was talking about the prodigal son, watch this, who starts in the father's house and then begins to ask for an inheritance and begins to walk away, it says in scripture, to a far country. A far country where he squanders, spends his money on what is not bread and what does not satisfy spends all of his money and scripture says this. And then he began to become in want. Isn't that interesting? I think ESV and NIV says in a need, but I like the versions that say in want. I think it's a better depiction of what's really going on. He want, he went squandered and then it left him more dissatisfied. He was in greater want than he was before he left the father's house. And this is something, like I said, to the backslidden Christian that makes sense. But what about when you think about the father's house as simply meditating or being constrained by his words? When you are walking in God's truth day in and day out, you're in the father's house. When you're meditating on his scripture, you're in the father's house. When you're allowing God's words to speak life to you, you're in the father's house, but we're so easily distracted. You guys every day and we walk out of the father's house and we start thinking about things like, I can't do that. I'm never going to get another job. I'm always going to be broke. I'm never going to get married. This breakthrough is going to take forever. I don't know how this is going to happen. When you begin to wander off into the place of doubt, when you begin to wander off in the place of fear, into the place of despair, into the place of desire over satisfaction, we've walked out of the father's house. And when we walk out of the father's house, we find ourselves squandering. That's what is, that what is precious to us. We squander our time. We squander our thoughts. Some of us even squander literally our finances. In order to find things that will satisfy us, and where does it leave us? In the same place where the prodigal son was, which is in a place of greater want. He was in want. Consumed with desire. Exactly what I was going through. 
I left the father's house. I left the place of his promise. And I began to wander off into listening into other words and trying to figure out my own means to satisfy myself. And lo and behold, at the end of the day, I found myself in greater desire in a greater place of dissatisfaction. And what's interesting is the prodigal son says this. Why don't you guys turn with me to the passage in Matthew. I think it's Matthew chapter 11. No. 14. Oh, just kidding. Luke. I don't know where I was. Luke chapter 15. (laughs) In Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 24, that's the basic um, parable of the prodigal son. After that, it goes into the older brother. But look at verse 17. He says, but when he came to himself, because he hit rock bottom, right? When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your own hired servants. And as he arose and came to his father, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. He hit rock bottom and he was in a place of great hunger and he got the revelation. PB says it like this. The son realized that his problem wasn't poverty. His problem was that he left the father's house. The problem wasn't poverty. The problem was that he left the father's house. And for you and I on a daily basis, sometimes the problem is in our addiction The problem isn't the temptation. The problem isn't this. It isn't that. The problem is that we've left the father's house. And in order to return back into the father's house, you and I need to go back to meditating, not on our own thoughts, not on our own desires, not on our own temptations, but begin to allow ourselves to meditate on God's word. When we return to God's word, all of a sudden we step back into the father's house And guess, get this, this is what it says. Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good, his words, and you will delight in the richest affair. That word richest affair in the Greek is deshen, D-E-S-H-E-N, deshen. And it's so interesting because that word means fatness. Okay, now stay with me here. You will delight in the fatness. And this fatness, that word is defined in two ways. The first way is fatness in blessing. You know, just an example of blessing. You will delight in the blessing. Or another word describes it as abundance. 
And the second description of fatness in that word deshen is fertility. Isn't that interesting? In other words, fruitfulness. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in your fruitfulness. And you will delight in abundance. And you will delight in overflowing blessing. And you will delight in satisfaction. And you will delight in a cup that overflows. But it all starts with the preface of listen. Listen to me. That means you and I, we got to start taking captive every thought that goes out of our mind. What am I thinking about right now? And am I in the father's house or am I walking away? Am I in the father's house with this thought or have I wandered to a far country of despair? Because if I'm here, I got to make my way. I got to go arise and go back to the father's house right now. Because in that place, in this place, I'm back in abundance. So when I wrote fertility, I laughed out loud. I said, God, this, how ironic, how ironic I left the father's house to try to get fertile. You know what I mean? I left the father's house to try to get myself pregnant. Meanwhile, God's like, hello, come back, come back here because it's in this place where your fruitfulness will really happen. It's not on the blogs. It's not on the to-do lists. It's not on the little online community of, of crazy women who are all desperate to get pregnant. And I have acronyms for everything. It's in my word. It's in my word. It's funny because often even the world does this, but as believers, we do this too. We chase abundance in order to be satisfied. And yet we have to be satisfied in God to truly receive abundance. But what we do is we leave the father's house to chase abundance. We walk out those doors. We walk out of the truth in order to go pursue things that we think will satisfy us, but leaves us hungry. When the real principle of how kingdom works and how our relationship with our father works is only when we're in his home, we're satisfied. And when we're satisfied in him, then we will be in abundance. That means I don't need to wait till I get pregnant to be satisfied. That means you don't need to wait till you break that, where you need that breakthrough in order to be satisfied. You don't need to wait until you're married to be satisfied. You don't need to wait till you get the breakthrough for your family in order to be satisfied. You don't need to wait till you're walking out in physical healing in order to be satisfied. Right now, in this place, you're called to live in abundance. Right now, in this place, we're called to be overflowing with blessing, but it starts with what? Listen. Listen to who? Not yourself, folks. Listen to God. Listen to him. Listen to his words and not just listen and reflect and process and all that stuff. Listen and allow the words to just come and speak over you. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. When we begin to take authority over our minds, we will see fruitfulness. 
The problem is our minds are like little kids that have not been disciplined. I don't know about you, but when I walk in a restaurant or when I walk in a store and I see a little baby whiling out, screaming, chucking spoons, crying, yelling, hitting, acting crazy, I just sit there and I judge. I'm going to be honest. Lord, forgive me. I judge. And who do I judge? The parents. You know, when I have my own kid, I'll probably, you know, be like, y'all need to stop judging. (laughs) But most usually, it's just like, what? You need to... You need to, mm, that, that kid needs a amendment, you know, that you just, you need to spare the rod. And, anyway, just, I begin to judge and often our own minds are just like that unruly child. Our own minds is like that same undisciplined child that goes off, does what it's, does what it wants, goes out, eats what it wants, because if it doesn't, then it's going to throw a tantrum, has no order in their lives, completely rules over the parent. You ever see a kid that has more authority than their own parent? You ever see that? And the parent is in the submission of that child rather than the parent being the authority figure and the child in submission to the parent. Our minds can work the same way. When we allow our minds to go rampant, it's like letting a child out on its own. You know, the thing about kids is they don't know what's good for them. They think they know, but they don't know. They think eating chocolate and candy all day long is going to be fantastic. Oh, Lord, conviction just hit in. Rosie, let that just sink in you and I right there. (laughs) The Lord is speaking a Kairos word to us. We're we're crazy sweet tooth. So, um, you know, or, you know, I don't want to (laughs) exercise right now. Maybe tomorrow. It's so hard today. You know, when you begin to think about things that you want to do, but you just let your mind take control, you let your thoughts, your desires, your flesh, in a sense, take control, it brings you to the place of outside the Father's house. So you and I, we got to start taking the hard steps. The thing about child rearing, and of course I'm speaking out of complete inexperience, right? But still, the thing about child rearing that I know to be true is that it takes a lot of work. The easy thing is to let the kid do what they want. That's the easy thing. The easy thing is just to just give in, you know, let them watch the iPad for five hours. The easy thing is, yeah, you know, okay, let them have, you know, the 10th scoop of ice cream because if they don't, they're going to cry. The easy thing is just let them do what they want. That's the easy thing. But it's difficult and it's hard and it requires effort and it requires a cost to be paid to discipline a child. And in that same way, for your mind to be in submission to your spirit, it requires a cost. In order for your mind to be in submission to your spirit, you got to go through the tough work of getting that mind in a place where it's in submission, where it's subservient, not where it's ruling on its own. We have to take control over our minds. We have to take every thought captive, every anxiety, every fear, every desire, every shame, every hurt, every unforgiveness, everything that is not of God. We got to take it captive and immediately do the work and cause it to be in submission. Now I say this and immediately when I say this, I don't know about you, but for me, it's overwhelming because I'm, I'm a expert daydreamer. I'm a expert mind wanderer. 
uh, you know, in terms of staying focused on one task, like it's really difficult for me. I've just become so professional at, uh, you know, not paying attention and getting distracted. I'm just so good at that. And so for me to really think about having focus and clarity and being able to meditate on like one line of scripture for like 20 minutes without letting my mind wander, it seems impossible. And listen, I've tried it and it didn't work out so well, you know? And so I think, man, you know, what's the point? But if you were here Friday Fire, Pastor Mina preached a very important message about grace. And talking about how grace needs to be the very foundation, not what we obtain. Favor of God is not something we work for. It's not something we strive to get. It's not something that we do by taking these steps or getting circumcision, which she mentioned so many times. You know, it's not about taking hold of it. It's what we stand on. Grace is where we begin, which means immediately, even though it seems like a daunting task to take rule over your mind, we got grace to do it. What we need is not work, it's faith. When you begin to believe, God, this is the way I was created. I'm meant to be that Psalm chapter 1 man that meditates on your law day in and day out. That whose uh, fruit yields in season and whose leaf does not wither. I'm meant to be that person. I'm designed, I've been created to be that person. Then all of a sudden, you begin to get momentum and you think, God, I got the grace. Why spend money on what is not bread? I'm hungry. No, I got the grace. And your labor on what does not satisfy. I got emails. No, I got the grace. When you begin to shift your mindset in believing, you have the grace to be one that can remain in the Father's house, we become unstoppable. It's the same way as purity. Even if you fall in purity, you can't afford not to pursue purity. That's just who you are. You're pure. You've been made pure through the blood of Christ Jesus. You don't obtain purity through works. We are pure because of what, he, what he's done. But we got to walk out that purity. And even if we slip and fall with a thought or an action or this and that, you got to get right back up because you can't afford to walk the other direction. In that same way, you and I are called to be meditators of God's word. And even if we get distracted here and there, we can't afford to not pursue that. Why? Because then we'll spend money on what's not bread. And we'll labor for things that don't satisfy. But we're called to listen and to listen to him. It's time that we not only get in the Father's house, but God is saying, stay here. Remain here. Don't leave from this place. This is where you will find satisfaction. This is where you will find abundance. This is where you will find your cup to overflow. I want you guys to just close your eyes with me. You know, my question to you is, what have you been meditating on? Because like I said, whether it's scripture or not, we're experts at meditating. And I wonder if you evaluate just your day, 
What have you been meditating on? What's been the meditation of your heart? Has your meditation been on obsessing over your future? God, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this situation? How am I going to get through this? Has the meditation of your heart been despair? This is hopeless. There's no point. Has the meditation of your heart been anger or unforgiveness? Or how about this complaining? I can't stand this weather. I can't stand my job. I can't stand my boss. I can't stand my husband. Has your meditation been on addictions? Addictions to lust, addictions to smoking, addictions to drinking? Has your meditation been on insecurity? God, I'm not good enough. How am I supposed to do this? I can't I can't do this. I'm so overwhelmed. You know, we can call it prayer and say we're speaking to God. But when we meditate still on our own thoughts, rather than meditating on his, we'll remain unfruitful. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And watch this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life and watch this last line here and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isaiah 55 where we took that verse 2 from verse 6 to 9 says this seek the Lord while he may be found call upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. God is saying, forsake your thoughts. Forsake your thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. God wants to consume you, not with an empty mind, but with his thoughts. He wants to consume you with his promises. He wants you to take every moment where you're meditating on unfruitful thoughts. He wants you to begin to meditate on his life-giving words. So what have you been meditating on? Because scripture says forsake it. 
If it's not in alignment with God's word, forsake it. And I want us to take a moment to begin to pray together. And I want to be honest with what's been meditation of our hearts lately. And I want you to begin to forsake it if it's not what God wants. I want you to begin to turn away. I want you to say, God, I'm not going to spend my money anymore on what's not bread. I don't want to waste my labor on what does not satisfy. I want to turn away. I want to forsake this thought. I want to forsake this meditation. And I want to begin to listen to you. Come on, let's begin to pray right now. Father, we just pray, God. Lord, that you will get to reveal the meditation of our hearts, God. Lord, what have we been meditating on? God, what, I've been, what have I been thinking about? God, what have I been consumed with? God, what I've been obsessing over? What have I been thinking about day in and day out? What room? What have I been, been spending money on? What I've been spending labor on? God, I pray, Lord, that you begin to reveal, God, all across this room, Lord. Begin to enlighten our hearts, God. And we pray, God, that as a community, God, that we will begin to forsake. God, that we would begin to turn away. God, that we would return to you. That we would return to the Father's house. That we would return to the truth. That we would return to the promises of God. That we would return, God, to the very things, Lord, that you're calling us, God, to meditate on, Lord. We just look to you. Father, we declare that your thoughts are not our thoughts, nor are your ways our ways. They're higher as the heavens are higher than the earth. And God, today we want to commit to no longer spending our money on what's not bread and our labor on what doesn't even satisfy us. But God, we want to be a people that will listen and that will listen to you. That we will be a people that would eat what is good. And in that place, Lord, we believe that we will delight in the richest affair. That we will delight in Deshaun. That we will delight in abundance. That we will delight in fruitfulness. That we will delight in blessing. And so, God, we pray and we take hold of the grace today. The grace to take every thought captive. The grace to take rule and authority over our minds. And to begin to hone in and cause it to be in submission to our spirits, submission to your truths, submission to your very words. God, we thank you that today you're calling us to forsake other thoughts, to forsake the meditations that we've had. And God, we declare that today we return to your house. Today we're turning back and we're saying we're going to arise and go back to my father's house, that we're going to return back home. And God, that in this place, Lord, we will be satisfied. In this place, we will be satisfied. So God, we just thank you. Do a deep work. Do a real work. And when we surrender our lives to you, that means we also surrender our minds to you. And we lay it down again. Yes, God.